everybody, Dan Urban here along with Scott Fontana back for a post-Independence Day edition of the Couchside Judges. For the first time in more than a month, we don't have any UFC action to discuss on this Monday episode. We are, of course, just days out from the debut of Fight Island in Abu Dhabi for UFC 251, but we'll save our look ahead to that event later in the week. Instead, Dan and I finally have a window for some past judgment, the segment in which we rescore old fights using our altered scoring system. We've got two fights on tap for today, both of which were controversial split decisions at the time. Michael Bisping's 2007 victory over Matt Hamill and George St. Pierre's final welterweight title defense against Johnny Hendrick in 2013. I'm pretty sure I speak for Dan when I say that we're excited to return to one of our favorite segments. So Dan, we actually are recording this just after the UFC finally made it official that George Masvidal is going to fight Kamaru Usman on Saturday. It's it's finally locked in. Yeah, exciting fight. Uh, still going to watch. I was in the the club that wanted to see Burns get the title shot, but I uh, you know I can't say I'm not excited to see Masvidal. Yeah, I'm with you too. I actually did think Burns probably had the better resume and probably stylistically could make even a better fight. But this is a big fight. It's, it's a major fight. I'm happy to see it. And, you know, Masvidal has really earned it. He he worked hard to get to this point. You know, his record is a little bit of a journeyman record, but he's got big wins and he had a monster year last year. So I can't hate, you know, can't knock him. He's he's fun to watch usually. Hey, it's it's all about the entertainment the guy uh, sells. So why not? For sure, especially on pay-per-view. You know, we'll, we'll save, I think, the breakdown of that fight and more from saturday like we said for later in the week but let's just get to past judgment it really does feel like forever since we've done past judgment with all the live fights and interviews uh that we've been doing in june so before we dive into our two fights for this episode dan i think you're going to remind everyone how our scoring system works for this segment yeah we use a modified version of the abc's criteria which is used by most commissions we just have a few key differences like certified judges, we evaluate rounds using the three Ds, damage, dominance, and duration in that order. We've made it so a strong 10-9 would now be scored as a 10-8, while a traditional 10-8 round becomes a 10-7. Closer rounds would still just be 10-9s, even if only by a small margin. This allows us to give more diverse scores in the hope of more accurately reflecting what happens in a fight. We also dropped aggressiveness and area control as tiebreakers, but those aren't really intended to be used very often anyway. You know, we can only give 10-10s in largely uneventful rounds. So, Scott, let's get some setup on Bisping and Hamill. So, like I said, this one goes all the way back to 2007, September 8th, UFC 75. We were still in double-digit pay-per-view events here. And this actually wasn't a pay-per-view. This was uh, aired on TV at the O2 Arena in London. Light heavyweight co-main event between Michael Bisping and Matt Hamill. The main event actually was Rampage Jackson defending his UFC light heavyweight title against Pride champ Dan Henderson. Yeah, Dan Henderson, that was a 203-pound champ he was, right? 203. He was, yes, in Pride it was 203 because they used uh, kilograms to separate the divisions. Uh, and actually, this event at one point held the TV ratings record for MMA in North America. It peaked at almost 6 million viewers. So this was this was a big deal back then. I know. I, was, I, I really wanted to watch this fight because I had just finished watching Tough 3 on DVD. So this was like almost right after in my universe. Uh, okay, so that they right matched on. up perfect, these two. Yeah, no, I I hadn't watched. I wasn't watching UFC at this point. I wouldn't start watching for another six months or so. But yeah, this actually had a, kind of an interesting card here with that title fight. 
uh, and the fight we're talking about here, which was sold as kind of the real Ultimate Fighter 3 champion angle mm-hmm. because, you know, Bisping had won it the year before, but Matt Hamill, he was supposed to face Bisping in the semifinals, as you recall, but he was injured, so he couldn't go. So in this fight, which they finally booked, and they said, okay, you know, let's do it because both of these guys uh, had come in unbeaten. Bisping was 13-0, and had won two in a row since winning tough. And Matt Hamill was 4-0. He won three fights in the UFC already. So his whole, almost his entire career was in the UFC. Judges for this one were Jeff Mullen, Cecil Peoples, and Chris Watts. The referee was Mario Yamasaki. And because this fight happened a long time ago in England, we don't have individual round scores available, only the final tallies. So we can make assumptions about how they were scored, and we'll note that, but it no, we don't know exactly how the judges really saw each round that night. Yeah, let's jump into round one then. Dan, what did you see in round one? Round one, Matt Hamill, clearly the more impactful striker, came out. He came out fast yeah, and furious. Yeah. Guns blazing. You know, a lot of those missed, though. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> but from both guys. I mean, they were just swinging and missing. <laughs> it's kind of funny to watch. Early MMA. Hamill, I mean, but he, he found it. He started finding a home for his strikes. And Bisping was, seemed to always be way too far out or didn't seem like he was landing all that much. Yeah, I didn't think he did a whole lot. Uh, I, you know, Hamill, he ended up leaving a, what, a decent-sized cut underneath Bisping's uh, eye. Was it both eyes? He had a cut under both eyes. Yeah, yeah. He, he was marking up his face pretty darn well. Yeah, this, to me, this was borderline 10-8 in our schism for me. I didn't go that way. I went 10-9 for Hamill. And I actually went the other way, but I also agree. I think it was a very close. This is kind of one of those rounds that tests our own system of, of how it should be. The reason I went as far as a 10-8 was because, to me, it represented a very clear round for Hamill, something that you would watch that and you'd say, obviously, Matt Hamill won that. But more than that, he really I was outlanding Bisping a lot. Like He was more active and missing a lot. But he really did outland Michael Bisping by a ton. And you could tell he marked up his face. He left damage, you know, on the face. And that's part of the criteria, too, the the damage left on the face like that. So I think when you couple those two, I saw it as kind of a heavy damage round to the sense where I think that's enough in our system to go 10-8. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I don't have anything against a 10-8. It just, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I watch it again. I give it a 10-8. Who knows? Sure, sure. I mean, um, we haven't you know, as thoroughly defined our system as the ABC has with theirs. You know, the, the, our language is, is still a little rougher uh, other than ours is using much more most broad. of what they have. So that's something that we would clarify, of course. But, you know, I think we can kind of sit here and debate, you know, is this something that really looks like it should be a 10-8 in our system? I say it does. What about the other Ds in, in this round? Nothing checked off, right? Because you obviously saw it as a 10-9. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, not available. No dominance, no duration. No dom. Yeah, this was... You didn't see any kind of push for the finish necessarily. You didn't see Bisping in trouble. Hamill obviously wasn't in trouble either. And But there really wasn't any sustained offensive success either, so you couldn't go duration. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I felt very good about going 10-8, but very far away from what would be a 10-7 in our system, a 10-8 in the typical system. For I sure. think we can probably take a guess that all three judges went 10-9 Hamill here. There was one judge who gave all three rounds to Hamill. So we know his scores, but the other two judges, uh, it, it wasn't as clear cut. So we can just make an assumption. This was the easiest round to pick a winner. Right? Yeah, uh, definitely. This one was the easiest. Yeah. Yeah. So what about round two, though? Round two, I ended up scoring for Bisping 
I did not see much effective offense from Hamill. All I can really recall during that round was he had a headlock and landed like three clinch uppercuts in that position. Those were some good uppercuts, though. Right, they landed yeah, real hard. Right. Those were the only things I saw from Hamill. I This takedown was nothing. You know, he had nothing behind it. Agreed. Uh, and I, I just thought Bisping was, was just better. Now, he wasn't great. He wasn't good. I mean, I just didn't think this round really had not much offense behind it. Yeah, no, this this was a close round. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was like lack of action. It really just, there wasn't enough offense to score one way or the other where you would say very clearly that somebody won this round. I thought it was a very close round, and I did go Matt Hamill here, but I understand you going the other way too. This is this was a very close round. So what's your uh, total score then? So I'm up to 20 to 17 actually for Hamill. Oh, okay. It doesn't feel like a 20 to 17 almost. This is kind of a sense where I'm looking at my score and I'm like, this actually doesn't match the fight, I think, in my head. But, you know, I think it's okay. I, I don't think it's crazy to look at this this way because we did have some really good success from Hamill in the first round and then a round two where it was it could kind of go either way. And sometimes that just happened because we're not going to put down 10-10. Right. Was, there was enough action here that you can pick a winner. It wasn't that much of a lack of action. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is easily be two rounds to nothing. So in our system, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really need all that much to get a 10-8. That's true. In our system, it... it, it you can really get that, which can change the thing. And you have it tied at 19, yeah, correct? Yeah, I got w- oh. uh, yeah, one round apiece, 19-19. Okay. So for this round, two out of the three judges saw it for Bisping. That was uh, Jeff Mullen and Cecil Peoples, whereas Chris Watts, again, he gave all three rounds to Hamill, so he had a 10-9 for Hamill in this one. What about round three? Round three, clearly the best round for Bisping in yes. this fight. Easy round for Bisping. Hamill didn't really do that much on the ground. Although he passed, it wasn't for that long and he really didn't you know strike all that much with it it was not a very effective i mean you know when you talk about effective grappling at least for me i'm my understanding is it really should be offense it shouldn't just be moving your position it's it's probably a small part of it but it's not really the main thing so i i I don't discount it but maybe maybe it's in the bargain bin if we're talking about discounts you know what i mean (laughs) i definitely i definitely think passing belongs there should be something regarding that because you are moving towards a, a fight finishing sequence, technically. But anyway, you know, the, Bisping had the more effective offense, which came on the feet. He's landing good strikes, and this was an easy call for me, 10-9 Bisping. Yeah, actually, even of the two takedowns that Hamill had, the the second of them, Bisping actually landed some decent offense down there. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, I mean, not decent, but I mean, he was he was more, if anybody was landing, it was Bisping down there. It created a situation where Hamill was just kind of on top and, and eating a little bit of strikes. So. Yeah, you know what? This this reminded me of just how good Michael Bisping is of not being held down. Yes. Oh, my goodness. He's always been good at that. And the fact that he was at 205, clearly undersized for the division. He was. And and he eventually realized that his place was at middleweight. Getting getting Hamill off of him like that and just standing back up, that was pretty impressive. It that was. It doesn't I, score. I didn't make that clear. No, no, no. That's not something you would score either, of course, but... Uh, I also went Bisping, you know, it's, it's the only way to go here. 10, nine. I didn't think it was quite at the 10, eight level in our system either. It was, you know, it was a, it was a round for him, but it wasn't the clearest of rounds, I guess. Right. Yeah. He didn't leave a ton of damage. He didn't kind of distance himself with a big striking margin. It was, it was just his round. That's it. Yeah. He his round. And that's it. So, you know, the, the judges, we assume Cecil Peoples and Jeff Mullen had 29, 28 here again. It's, you know, they had to get two rounds somewhere, so it probably was round two and round three. Uh, and 
Chris Watts had all three rounds again for Matt Hamill. So yeah, this one too. I had it 29-27 for Hamill though on my card. Yeah, and I had 29-28 for Bisping. So I probably agreed with Peoples and and Jeff Mullen. I understand going with Bisping here. I remember being more mad because I rewatched this at some point. I remember being more mad that I thought Hamill should have won because I thought just takedowns were enough, you know. But which they might have been back then. I don't. You know, it's it's hard to say. I don't think the criteria was clear enough, and that was a lot of the issue, um, which was clarified again a few years back. So it's nice now that we can revisit it and look at it through the criteria that we have today. Obviously, it doesn't change anything. And even when I watch this fight, I say twenty nine, twenty seven, Hamill. Could have easily been 28-28. Could have easily been 29-28 Bisping. So I, I expect kind of a I expect a sort of range of scores here. It was a very close fight. I don't think there was any controversy at all. It was just close. Yeah, just a close fight. I do remember back when I watched it, I was a big Hamill fan. Bisping rubbed me the wrong way on the show. So I was like... He rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. You know, he's time. actually grown on me. Bisping's become one of my favorite guys, even if... Uh, He's on Saturday nights yelling about the wrong stuff. He can be he can be a little much, but but he's good. Yeah, so I should say that actually the one thing that from a judging standpoint that actually bothered me, and you know, we're we're evaluating it again with this new criteria, this clarified criteria, but Chris Watts giving round three to Hamill was kind of a bad score. Yeah, I think so too. But again, I mean you uh, say sure. he does pass. Yeah. Uh, he does I mean at the one point Hamill was kinda of, he had him turtled for a little bit where he threw some like pitter patter shots, but uh, again, how much did that weigh? Yeah, no, I, it's true. It's it's hard to say, but looking back at it right now, I I don't see any reason you would give that one to Hamill, um, knowing what we know about the criteria. Oh yeah, knowing what we know today, I, I don't see that being a good score. And I should say too, I don't think Michael Bisping got like a hometown judging discount or anything like that in England on this one. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, I th- I think probably there were some people who were upset about it at the time. That were saying, oh, you know, this is in England. Of course he's going to win it. You know, <laughs> the people who thought Matt Hamill won, which, you know, that's fair. But I don't think I don't think there's any problem with this decision. It was perfectly fine. Yeah, I agree. All right. That does it for the co-main. But let's move on to the main event of past judgment, Scott. George St. Pierre versus Johnny Hendricks. Break it down. Yeah, man. This was obviously the fight that most people think of when they think of controversial judging decisions. I remember thinking that this fight was George St. Pierre winning on the criteria but probably losing the actual fight yeah this is how i normally would describe this fight to people saying george st pierre won the game but johnny hendrix won the fight yeah yeah i, I would agree with that and you've certainly said that a few times around me of course but hey let's let's talk about kind of the setup real quick before we actually get into the rounds here so this was the headliner for ufc 167 at mgm grand in las vegas on november 16 2013 GSP at the time, 24-2, and two, having just beaten Nick Diaz earlier in the year. He'd won 11 in a row, the last 10 of which were title fights. So he was on an amazing run coming into this. Hendricks entered his first title fight here at 15-1 and one and riding a six-fight win streak, including one-punch knockouts of Martin Kampman and John Fitch and decisions over Carlos Condit and Josh Kochek. That's a really, really impressive run. Uh, yeah, Hendricks really was impressive to earn his spot uh, as a top contender. For sure. And the judges for this one, we had Tony Weeks, Glenn Trowbridge, and Saudi Amato, with the referee once again, Mario Yamasaki. So, Dan, round one was always the round that I thought was a swing round, and I always gave it to GSP. How did you see it this time? I actually scored this 10-9 for Hendricks. And how did you usually see it? I always thought 
GSP probably won round one, but this time I, I went Hendricks. I thought he had uh, the more impactful strikes. And I, to be honest, GSP's really, most of his offense really was just that guillotine in the beginning of the round and like clinch knees to the body, which were being answered by clinch knees to his thigh, which I thought were actually, you know, pretty strong. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought this was a GSP round for a long time. I watched this again in January and sure enough, watching it again today after we've gone through this show for several months now and, and really familiarized ourselves with the criteria and the way things ought to be scored, at least in modern times. And I went with Hendricks too, 10-9. It was just clear to me. And, you know, he, GSP had a single leg and he didn't get anything with it except punches to his face. And big elbows And too. then elbows against the cage. Oh, those were bad elbows. I think I think they they, even they said, opened up a little cut on his, on his side of his G- head, right, yeah. kind of near his temple. Well, I thought that was from uh, a ground strike, but I'm not. Oh, positive. was that okay? I'm not positive on that. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, he got it one way or another. He, that's yeah, for he sure. definitely definitely was marked up. Uh, GSP did. I will say he had that that head kick. He had kind of spots later on in the in the round. He was not doing so well earlier in the round. Later on, he found spots here and there. But yeah. Hendricks took that kick fine. It really wasn't the most impactful kick. No, yeah, like you said, just sporadic, you know, one-off shots. Mm-hmm. Now, no no other Ds were checked here. We're only talking about damage. Uh, so it, it certainly didn't get all that overwhelming for Hendricks here. It was just a 10-9 round, yeah, right? 10-9 round. Yep, which is how Glenn Trowbridge saw it. He's the only judge that was working that night that saw this for Hendricks, whereas Tony Weeks and Sal Diamato went 10-9 St. Pierre, as you and I did at the time, too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think now knowing what we know and the way we would ideally see this scored. I wonder, and I we know that this is a fight that the judging community looks back at a lot. Yeah, this is like the poster child. It kind of is. It's just this fight in general. So I think it would be actually interesting if we got on a judge sometime who would just kind of talk us through their evaluation of this fight too, because obviously this is such a big fight for them. We should have somebody kind of explain that to everybody. It could be our thing. Like every time we bring someone on, How'd you have GSP Hendricks? <laughs> Good bet. Yeah. <laughs> what about round two, though? This this round was a little more clear. This was Hendricks. I mean, he rocked GSP Dead. a couple times. I Got him a little stanky leg. Yeah, he was he was rocked for like two minutes. Uh, Hendricks controlled that round rather easily. Except he got a break when Hendricks' mouthpiece fell out. And then Mario Yamasaki made him look like he was going to try and have him wash it. And then he decided not to. He just got it. I'm glad you mentioned that (laughs) because I did want to talk about that. Yeah, I figured you would. They were in a clinch. I know. If they were separated, I get it. Okay, stop. Put your mouthpiece back in. But they're clinched. Wait till the action, you know, there's a lull in it. Just because they're clinched, they're throwing knees, they're doing things. I I didn't like that that break. That did more harm for Hendricks than good. I think so, too. It was while he was trying to push. He, He was really sustaining that offense there. Uh, it wasn't like he was he wasn't swarming in the sense where he was like out of control when you see that, but he was in overdrive. You know, the big the big rig was was running on diesel right there and he was running hard. <laughs> yeah, he was attacking. He was and you know, I kinda gave GSP after that I felt it was GSP's final three minutes that he uh kind of well, won. Kind, there. Of, kind of, but actually right after he got the mouthpiece back in and they resumed, he hurt GSP again. It was like the, the first strike yeah. he threw right after. It wasn't as much, it's, but it, I mean he was still obviously Hurt. I, I felt Hendricks basically just took the rest of the round off. I mean, he hit him with a, one one strike here, one strike there. And I just thought GSP looked really good for that, like, final three minutes, which 
didn't allow me to go 10-8, so I can only go 10-9 for Hendricks. Oh, no, see, I actually win 10-8 here, and I feel pretty good about this. This was around where the damage, the accumulated damage was just to a high enough degree. that Once you got someone rocked like that, I know GSP probably had a little bit more success in the latter half of the round, like you're saying Hendricks backed off, but I don't, I don't know if he talked himself out of a 10-8 in our system. He certainly couldn't have gotten a 10-7, but I think it's fair to give him a 10-8 for the work that he did. Actually, when I was watching this, I was like, I don't see it. But if someone decided to say GSP may have stole the round, I'd say I don't agree, but I kind of see where you're coming from. No hogwash. So, I'm, I'm against you, sir. But I, I thought he, he was just that much better in that second part of the round. But the first part of the round, it, does, it doesn't outweigh it. No, I I don't think it outweighed it at all. I don't think it was very close. I I I would be very angry with somebody who gave that round to St. Pierre. I really would. There there's mm-hmm. not nearly if GSB had pushed it more to take the round, okay, fine. Rather than I mean what you're saying is Hendricks kind of went off the gas. It's not that St. Pierre pushed, it's that he came back. He came back, yeah. I don't think that's enough to let someone else steal the round without really pushing it. And I don't think GSP did that. No, I thought he was definitely landing. He, I, th- I think saying that he didn't really do much is wrong. Mm. Maybe I'm being extreme, but I think you are too. There's some. I think the truth lies in the middle. Uh, I'm saying I don't agree with giving GSP. Right, no, around. I understand. I but understand. if someone went that way, I, I could be like, oh, I mean, Hendricks basically sat down and, and stopped fighting. Nope, nope. I would so... fight them. I'd fight them for that. <laughs> Right. Challenge you on the map. Scott Five versus, minutes for rolling. Scott first. Anybody who thought round two went to St. Pierre, I'll sponsor it. I'll host it. COVID test mandatory. Absolutely. You got you got to clear COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but cumulatively now, you're talking about 20 to 18 Hendricks. I've got 20 to 17 Hendricks. Yep. All three judges for this one. No shenanigans. Nobody I'm going to have to fight. Uh, 10-9 Hendricks. And we're talking about 20 to 18 Hendricks on Trowbridge's card. Whereas the other two, it's tied at 19 apiece, entering round three. And round three, this one finally, I think we both agree, went for GSP. Yeah, this was a GSP round for sure. It really wasn't all that eventful, though. Hendricks, again, probably took this round off. I don't know if it was uneventful. You know, yeah, obviously, I, I think Hendricks was pacing himself. He was he was off the gas a little bit. But, you know, GSP was he was landing, you know, he, he, no, yeah. he was hitting with the jab. He was with some leg kicks. He had those one two combos that Mike Goldberg kept pointing out the head, the body head, body head. He kept saying, oh, well, once Mike locks into something, it's hard to get oh, him off it. Never changed Goldie. <laughs> uh, you know, Hendricks, he didn't land as much, but he did land some offense. It wasn't that he did nothing. You know what I mean? They seem they seemed he, like he just, was he was just, very easy off the gas. Just. Let me try to look busy type fight. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think he was just, I don't know if he was trying to look busy. I think he was just trying to pick his spots a lot more and saying, I'm not going to push this or I've already banked two rounds. His his corner was telling him he won they two did, rounds. And which, I agree with them. So, well, I mean, was, yeah, but obviously they were wrong. And if we had real time scoring, as we saw in Kansas at Invicta last week, his coaches would be able to tell him, listen, it's only one, one. You've got to push harder. Yeah, that would be an hell. That would have made this fight even more interesting. Yeah, I think we, I think we need to make a point of pointing out fights where that would have been kind of relevant. When we hear a a corner saying, "Oh, it's this," and it's not that. Yeah, well, we should totally do that. I think we should point <laughs> we it out. We should make a here. list of them. <laughs> I know, right? How yeah. often was the corner wrong? Yep, that would be good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this obviously it wasn't a big round for GSP. Um, it was a big disparity in the strikes landed. It really, I, I really thought that. 
he outlanded him by such a margin. Um, but you wouldn't call this any a 10-8 in our system either. It was, just, it was just a disparity in strikes. There wasn't really any damage right, left yeah. on Hendricks. But 10-9 for St. Pierre. We both agree. And that's what all three judges had here. Uh, cumulatively, you have it 29-28 for Hendricks. I have 29-27. So then at this point, all three judges have it 29-28. Although two of them are in favor of St. Pierre and one of them is in favor of Hendricks. Yeah. Heading into the championship rounds. Yeah, championship rounds. Round four. I had this one for Hendricks as well, but only a 10-9. I had it for 10-9, and I, I wouldn't mind if someone went 10-8. I agree. I, I think this is a round that you could have been fair to go 10-8 to. Uh, you know, open that really big cut with the elbow on the ground. Yeah, I want to say that this, while not on the scorecards, uh, is a swing round, but as far as the fight itself, could have been very costly to GSP because he slips. That's the reason it ends up on the ground. Yes. Something very uncharacteristic of George. Yeah, to, yeah, to be uncoordinated and, and fall down like that is weird. But he got a gift, and Hendricks let him up. He I did. still don't but, know but why he, also, he did that. He, he was left a present, too, in the form of a ton of blood on his face. <laughs> yeah, he did get a nice His cut. own blood. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, wasn't, it wasn't so charitable. <laughs> I know. I still don't understand why he let him up. That's weird. You know, I you saw GSP find a little bit of success standing from that point on. It was You kind of saw this pattern with Johnny Hendricks, and you already kind of alluded to it that he does a lot of early work. And then he almost kind of cruises into the last few minutes of the rounds. Yeah, I don't. He likes to do that. But if staying on top and someone's guard, I mean, throw some strikes. Yeah. Be wary of submissions. Yeah, this was, for me, I didn't think this could push it into the 10-8 range. I just didn't think, you know, the cut was one thing, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like GSP was in trouble. It's mostly because he stopped again, like you said. Yeah. That's, yeah. He just I don't know. goes. It was just a little bit of... I think strategy was a huge problem in, for Hendricks in this fight. I think if there were things done differently, I think the whole narrative changes. He, he would have won this fight. He would have ended up winning the first fight against Robbie Lawler that he had right after this. Or maybe GSP doesn't retire. Maybe he comes back. Maybe, maybe he's got the fire lit in him again. Who knows? So many things to, changed because of the way a couple cards fell. And in part, Hendricks' strategy, I thought. Yeah, Hendricks would be a hell of a fighter. With three-minute rounds. Oh, my goodness. I, for the record, I'm going to put this out there. I've got the crazy idea we should only do three-minute rounds in MMA. I think it's stupid. Yeah, he thinks it's dumb. We'll talk about that another day. For now, let's just get to the cumulative scores that you and I are at. 39-37 Hendricks on your card. 39-36 Hendricks on my card. So, for me, St. Pierre needs a finish or, or, or to put him near a finish at this point. Whereas for you... You know, a 10-8 round could tie it. He could get a 10-8, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could certainly peel for a draw at this one. And every judge had this one as a 10-9 for Hendricks, too. But let's go to round five, the final round here. Dan, what'd you have? I gave this one to GSP 10-9. Okay. I also did. Yeah, I thought, yeah, GSP had good clinch strikes. Had a, had a really strong right early uh, that went straight into a takedown. I saw this as the least action-packed round. It was... A lot of clinching, battling for positions, hoping to get takedowns, nothing really coming. They There eventually was, but no, I, I saw this one as kind of a, a lackluster round in the sense of actual offense delivered here. It wasn't it wasn't a boring round, but it was it was kind of a grueling round, you know, they were probably trying to rest uh, with all the clinching. I think I think they probably were just tired. I mean, this was kind of a grueling fight. It was well for Hendricks. He obviously had issues taking on a five-round fight and pushing pace. 
George St. Pierre, you know, he'd, he'd been through the ringer. This was not an easy fight for him, so no, I can understand was, why yeah, this it was got a to war. that point. This was a battle. His face is a mess. Yes, it is. It, it, by this point, it doesn't look very good. But yeah, GSP was obviously, he was more active throughout marginally. Yeah, I, I put here, GSP edged it, so. Yeah, yeah, just, it was a close round, but but it was it was a GSP round for me, too. So, final score, I have 48-46, Hendricks, and you have 48-47, Hendricks. Yep. Right? The judges, all three went for the champ here in this round. Cumulatively, final scores, Tony Weeks and Saldi Amato, 48-47, GSP, Glenn Trowbridge, 48-47, Hendricks. So, H- Hendricks's card here from Trowbridge, that's essentially what we would have scored it. Right. Using the current criteria, the current form of criteria. We're probably, uh, I'm probably going to stop using that analogy. I think you have to. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't work anymore. It, it was really just kind of, for me, it was a little bit of a bad decision. It wasn't a, I wouldn't say he was robbed. I don't, no. I think going so far as to calling it robbery is way too much. There, there are robberies that happen in MMA and they are much more rare than anybody wants to give credit. And I don't think they happen much anymore. I think they used to happen. Yeah, not not much anymore at all. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything in modern times where I would look at it and be like, that guy was robbed, straight up mugged. No, I mean, the only one that, like, we've talked about this before, the only one that comes to mind is Nam Pham and Leonard Garcia. Yep. Yeah, it's an easy one. We're going to talk about that one day. Don't you worry. To come back to the idea that you and I have come around on the criteria and, and obviously changed our minds on a fight, that we've watched several times. You know, I think it speaks to the importance of really understanding the criteria as it is written in the ABC. You know, you can all find it. Just go to the ABC's website, ABC Boxing. It's there. Right. The not, thing the thing is not too gonna, long. Just read it. Who's going to put as much time into it if you're just a casual fan? Like, I feel... No, no, no. I feel we're, like, a, a step below what the professionals are doing because we just do it so often. Like, we're a For step sure. below in, in understanding and how much we actually dive into it and try to understand it. But you know who it's up to, too? It's up to the promotions to educate the people who are watching at home so that they know better. You know, yeah. we we have people like John Anik, who he says he keeps a copy of it with him. He says he, he's read it. So I appreciate that he's done that. I'm glad he educated I don't his know if colleagues. Dominic Cruz has done that since he found out he could. <laughs> it, I don't even I can't even believe that one of the greatest fighter of all time has didn't even know you can read the criteria it's insane to me and and it's not only that but it's dominic cruz who is well known notorious even as a decision fighter a point fighter who goes for takedowns to punctuate rounds he was just hoping that's how it worked <laughs> <laughs> just, who knows I, I... good thing he's so talented and it made it work <laughs> that's uh, incredible to me That does it for this past Judgment Heavy episode of the Couchside Judges. As I said at the top of the show, we're coming back at you on Friday with a look ahead to a stacked UFC 251 card at Fight Island. We'll have some past Judgment then as well, pulling fights from some of the guys competing for gold in the Middle East. Please subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Dan Urban MMA. You can follow me on Twitter also at Scott underscore Fontana. Catch us again later in the week, everybody. And as always, stay healthy and safe. See ya!